Friends and fam, VIPs, what's up? How is everyone doing today? Welcome to another episode of The Inclusionist. I just celebrated my birthday, so happy birthday to me. I'm in the best of moods, and I'm so excited to be here with you guys today. I'm very ready for today's episode. So I'm picking up this little trend that's been happening sometimes when I tell some folks that I focus on DEI. There's a misunderstanding that DEI focuses specifically on gender and race. I sometimes have to backtrack and explain that I'm not just talking about race or gender. And when we talk about inclusion and access, it's really important to understand that diversity encompasses so much more than just race or gender. It includes all the ways we are different from one another, which also includes the vast array of ways our minds work and process information. And that's why today I want to talk about neurodiversity. I think I'm going to stick to neurodiversity, embracing neurodiversity in the workplace for this episode, just to keep it a little shorter. I'm just experimenting with episode lengths, so we'll see how it goes. So let's start with a definition. The term neurodiversity was coined by a sociologist with autism named Judy Singer in 1997. And according to the Autistic Self-Advocacy Network, neurodiversity refers to a variation in neurocognitive functioning. It's an umbrella term that encompasses neurocognitive differences. Some of these differences may include ADHD, autism, dyslexia, Tourette syndrome, anxiety, obsessive-compulsive disorder, depression, intellectual disability, and schizophrenia. I also want to talk about the difference in definition between neurodiversity and neurodivergent. I'm still working on using these terms appropriately as well, so if at any point throughout this episode you hear me using them incorrectly, I am also learning. So let's start with neurodiversity, which is a recognition that not all brains think or feel in the same way, and that these differences are natural variations in the human genome. A group of people are neurodiverse, an individual is not. And neurodivergent refers to an individual who has a less typical cognitive variation such as autism, ADHD, dyslexia, dyspraxia, Tourette's, anxiety, obsessive-compulsive disorder, depression, intellectual disability, schizophrenia, etc. Now, neurodivergent folks oftentimes possess unique strengths and perspectives that can greatly benefit organizations, and some of these strengths may look like heightened sense of innovation and creativity, having technical design and creative strengths, um, easily coming up with new or different ways to solve problems, high levels of concentration, keen accuracy and ability to detect errors, sometimes strong recall of information, 
and detailed factual knowledge, reliability and persistence. These these are all great, but I also want to mention and I think it's crucial to note that neurodiversity and embracing neurodiversity is not about glorifying or exploiting people for their differences. I really do believe that each individual regardless of their neurotype, is equally valuable in this world. Also, I do want to mention that these conditions are covered by the Americans with Disabilities Act, the ADA, and reasonable accommodations in the workforce should be provided. And this episode is not about ADA requirements or anything like that, but I just thought I should mention it as well. I'm pretty careful to talk about neurodiversity because I don't want to glamorize the experience of neurodiverse folks, some of whom, myself included, may experience symptoms that are very difficult to overcome and who have experienced or continue to experience adversity or negative impactful symptoms or stigma or misrepresentation. But on the other hand, I do also want to highlight the key benefits to building engagement and specifically employing neurodivergent folks. So I think organizations of all sizes in all industries can benefit from supporting and embracing neurodiversity. And although we are in the top on the topic of neurodiversity, This, I think, is a topic that affects most people in today's 2023 day and age. There are many neurotypical folks who also now experience symptoms that neurodivergent folks have to live with on a regular basis. Like many of us live with constantly increased dopamine exposure and heightened cortisol intensity, a lot of stress, a lot of sleep deprivation. We're on the hustle trying to survive in a system that was not built with our health and psychological, physiological wellness in mind. So that means that certain individuals in the workforce who do not identify as neurodivergent may still at any given point require the same level of additional accessibility needs. An example is an employee with autism may require the removal of fluorescent lights in the workplace or permission to wear sunglasses due to photosensitivity, which is sensitivity to light, which can be a symptom of autism. Another employee who does not have autism, but just as well may have a similar need at any given point due to a bout of migraines due to a healing eye operation, who knows? So it's just best in this case at this point for companies to have certain foundational settings of accommodation in place because these challenges are ever-present, not because people have changed, not because people are now all of a sudden claiming boxes for themselves to check off, but our understanding of people has changed, our understanding of the human brain has evolved, Our understanding of how to optimize neural diversity has expanded. And while some neurodivergent characteristics like maybe sensory issues or difficulty with organization present challenges in 
traditional work or educational settings, neurodivergent individuals, like I mentioned before, possess unique strengths that can improve productivity and innovation. And sometimes all it takes can really just be adjusting the environment because by thoughtfully designing accessible workspaces, when people in general are not forced to contend with the confines of neurotypical designs in the workplace, they are able to create, develop, and work in the most effective way for themselves, but at the full benefit of the organization. Also, what we really want to be getting away from is this concept of masking, of neurodivergent folks having to camouflage their symptoms in order to fit into neurotypical driven environments like the workplace and school. And there is a lot of potential wasted when employees have to hide their true selves. They suffer personally and the organization misses out on a complete value. So let's go over some practical strategies for promoting neurodivergent-friendly workplaces and combating masking. Number one, let's prioritize employee input. I think there's a saying that's like nothing about us without us, right? Include neurodivergent individuals in decision-making processes when it comes to policies and, and accommodations designed for them. And this will ensure that their needs and perspectives are fully considered, maybe even just starting with an employee resource group. Okay, number two is expand recruitment efforts. There are tons of resources now. There are search engine pages. There are state and local agencies, nonprofit organizations, service providers. There are resources on how employers can open their employment pool to neurodivergent candidates. There are there's the vocational rehabilitation agencies, American job centers, workforce development boards that focus specifically on efforts to place and support neurodivergent employees. And many companies have found success in hosting events that focus on recruiting and hiring neurodivergent individuals. That's another way you can go about it to allow job candidates to meet directly with hiring managers and learn more about the organizations. Number three is embrace flexible work arrangements if you can. If you are in an organization where it's already a thing that's happened post-COVID, a lot of work from home is very typical, hybrid situations, um, offering flexible work schedules, telework opportunities. It's good for all of us if it's something that can be done and managed. There are a lot of companies that have experienced higher productivity and engagement um, from the work from home situation and test it out. This flexibility is not only going to benefit neurodivergent individuals, but also empl other employees who may require similar accommodations due to temporary circumstances. So the workplace, I think, should already be adapting to this level of flexibility. The next one I want to mention is if you can't offer flexible work accommodations or remote work options, 
make physical and environmental adjustments to create inclusive spaces, offer noise-canceling headsets, alternative lighting options, written instructions where it's just oral instructions, recorded directives, foster an environment not just conducive to the ability and well-being of neurodivergent staff, but really human health holistically. And by optimizing the workplace for embracing neurodiversity, you're going to be creating a more productive and comfortable environment for everyone. And before I wrap up today, I want you to reflect on your workplace. What can you do to advocate more for neurodivergent employees? Or if you are a neurodivergent employee, what are some ways your company can create a more thriving environment for you. As always, guys, I'm going to leave a resource page for this episode on the website, theinclusionist.com. Make sure to sign up for the newsletter as well for more off-grid content. And follow me on Instagram at The Inclusionist Podcast. You guys are the best. Thanks for listening. Bye!